From wherever I am to wherever you are, be it good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome to the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. This is episode number 45. I'm your host, Seth Singleton, and if you're looking around wondering what's different, it might not even be something you can physically perceive. It might be a place you go to in your mind. It might be that extra-dimensional, out-of-space, out-of-time realm we can all access when it's simply time to step outside and find a place that does not feel the effects of time. How do I know I'm there? Well, I can hear the delightful snarblings of my French bulldog Bruno in the distance, and with his keen ability to recognize what I'm doing and know that this is the best time to snarble, I know that I have arrived at the Spinner Rack, here to take a look at my top five picks of the books published from DC Comics this week, just like every week, for the past 45 weeks, as it may seem, and as is evident from our selection today and our title, number 45. Thanks for being with me. If you've just joined or if you've been there from the very beginning, I do this because it's part of a great conversation with you. Love hearing your feedback, love hearing your thoughts, love hearing more about what you think about comics. Stay tuned to the end for all the ways that you can let me know what you're thinking. First time, long time, all the time. Let's go ahead and jump right into my first pick for this week. And I'm taking a look at The Batman's Grave, number five, chapter five, Written by Warren Ellis, with pencils by Brian Hitch, inks by Kevin Nolan and Brian Hitch, with colors by Alex Sinclair, letters by Richard Starkings, and a cover by Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair, with a variant cover by Ji Hyung Lee. If at any point you know I'm pronouncing these names incorrectly and you want to let me know, I will thank you, and only thank you, for helping me figure out how to say the right name the right way and give these artists and talented collaborators the respect they deserve instead of just the mangling of their names in my mouth. When it comes to telling a story like The Batman's Grave, I love the concept of a slow burn, the ability of a story to take each moment, feel the weight of it, let the weight sort of sink on the viewer, the reader, the participant, the person who's hearing the story. And when they do, do not rush through. And even when there's moments of excitement and rush to know that the larger story is something that must be grinded out, something that must be worn down. And with the slow burn, it's like slow burning wood in a fire. You can pile all the hot stuff you want around it, but the wood itself burns at a certain rate and very few things are going to change that. In this story, Warren Ellis shows us a Batman who is grinding his way towards the Scorn army. In this issue, it brings him to Arkham. And the environment that is created by Ellis and the art team is one that is hostile and very conflicting and also seems driven to antagonize Batman for all the ways that he seems to rub or antagonize these people the wrong way. In doing so, Commissioner Gordon is a bit 
in my opinion, almost snide when he says that he finally is one step ahead of Batman and will be waiting for him inside Arkham. What's inside Arkham? Well, first, there is Jeremiah Arkham, the warden of Arkham Asylum, believes that Batman will one day take his place there in the cell that he's kept prepared for him. And also, there is Eduardo Flamingo, a very unique character, whether it's his balding hair, these sprays of red sprouting on either side like a demented clown, or the look, the expression on his face. And the way he makes through his interactions with Batman and Commissioner Gordon, who receives Batman and proceeds to give his own take on Flamingo. But when sitting down with Batman and Flamingo in a room, Flamingo makes an offer, one in which he suggests the possibility that if he stays in Gotham, that there could be greater insight to the Scorn army for Batman. Now, the challenge here is that Batman has to question whether or not he even trusts this Eduardo. Many of us might question whether or not that would be the right move to make. However, the decision is taken out of his hands, and when the action is forced, the trajectory of this story takes a good... I was almost going to say completely, but I think I'm going to say decidedly different turn. And through that, we are given the opportunity to see just what happens when, as is so often, Batman's plans, strategies, find themselves with a wrench thrown into the muck and the machinations, and he has to adapt. How's he going to find his way through this next challenge? Well, I recommend reading through, discovering this for yourself, and then letting me know what you think about this issue and the direction it's taking on this, as I call it, slow burn. That was my five out of five review for The Batman's Grave, issue number five, the settled snoring and snarbling of my French bulldog Bruno in the distance lets me know we're in the right place and we can proceed with all due diligence. To my choice number two, one that sort of falls on a, on a darker tone, a darker note, this is Batman. Pennyworth, number one. It was really difficult to read through this Pennyworth RIP reflection issue and not feel so many different emotions from heartache to loss to joyful remembrance when thinking about the roles that Alfred has played in the Wayne family and to the Bat family. He has been a surrogate father and a caretaker, a cook, a seamstress, an actor, a confidant, a brother in arms, a soldier in the field, a spy hidden in the darkness, a friend in the worst of times, and in all things, the perfect companion, no matter what situation might arise. And it's why the beginning of this issue starts with the suggestion that it all would have started earlier because someone would have told Bruce what to do and when to do it. That someone would have been Alfred, who's no longer here. In a really lovely collection, a story containing stories by James Tynan IV, Peter J. Tomasi, 
with art by Eddie Barros and Eber Ferreira, with Chris Burnham, Marcio Takara, Diogenes or Diogenes Neves, and David Lafuente, and Sumit Kumar, with colors by Adriano Lucas, Rex Locus, and Nathan Fairbairn, letters by Travis Lanham and Tom Napolitano, make this a really wonderful collection of individual stories. Each character, while sitting down in a dingy bar on one of the worst sides of Gotham, knowing that their friends are out watching the streets, keeping the city safe, so that the Bat family can grieve, share, and remember. And with this experience, the understanding that what they are doing is telling the story of Alfred by sharing the moments that they experienced with him, the moments that they remember the most. And it's a powerful experience when taken in context of the timeline during which this occurs. The events of Nightwing have not progressed past the annual that explains the recovery of his memories. And so the present Rick does not remember Alfred or his experiences or the stories. And his ability to do what he even explains to Batman is something he recognizes. His ability to heal and comfort and to be the bridge is missing because he's not who he was. And who he is is a person that even wonders why Alfred would put up with all of the things that are currently afflicting the Bat family, whether it's Damien's grief, Jason Todd's continued rebellion, Barbara's desire to get through to Bruce to shake him out of the challenges he's facing, or whether it's Tim letting Bruce know that it was during a similar time when he first arrived and put on the Robin costume and kept Batman from falling too far into the darkness, only to eventually watch him to succumb to the darkness. Because that's just how it goes with Bruce when he gets this way and doesn't fight back or find the way to come back. This recognition makes for some powerful exchanges and with them the remembrances that come with a life lived over so many decades through the example of Alfred Pennyworth. I thought this was a very lovely story, one that I was happy to enjoy and share in and experience and really sort of know that this was a grieving experience, not only for the characters, but for fans who in many ways are probably still shocked, still amazed at what's occurred and still waiting for the change that eventually must come when all of this can be undone. And when that will come and how long it will take and what the feelings will be like in between are more easy to address by reading these stories and going through this comic book that reminds me of so much like Awake. The stories, the art, the individual takes for each example and the way they combine together in a wonderful series of remembrances makes for a really lovely experience and one that I highly recommend for any Batman, Alfred Pennyworth, or comic book fan. A solid five out of five for me, for my second choice for this week's episode of The Spinner Rack, and a perfect time to take a break, step away, 
share with you all that's going on, all you can participate and should know about when it comes to DC Comics news, DC Comics, and so much more. We'll be right back and look forward to sitting down with you for choices three, four, and five. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast, here every week to talk everything DC, movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. And just like that, we are back. Thanks for taking the time to share that ad break with us and for coming back for choices three, four, and five on this episode of the DC Comics New Spinner Rack, episode number 45. We're moving right into number three with Hawkman number 21, an amazing continuation of the sprawling narrative by Robert Venditti with amazing pencils by Fernando Pissarin, inks by Auclair Albert and Wade Vaughn Grobberger, with colors by Jeremy Cox, letters by Rob Lay, an original cover by Raymond Bermudez, and a variant cover by Trevor Hersing and Rain Barreto. I really love the way that Hawkman never seems to let off the gas, or perhaps it's more of a, a fall, like in those movies where a character tumbles down the hill, I, I guess Princess Bride comes to mind, and you can just see it over and over, the tumbling, tumbling, and you think to yourself, at some point, they have to stop, and they don't, because it's as though they've reached one point of the fall, only to spill over a ledge and continue down. Downward, downward, picking up speed, kind of like an avalanche, kind of like a snowball effect. The challenges facing Hawkman now are so amazing. It's, well, it's impressive just to list them without even trying to go too far into the story. For example, there's the Paladin, this gigantic titan of a Hawkman character with a massive mace. Then there's the Sky Tyrant, who's trying to take out the Paladin. The Sky Tyrant being one of the former identities on a previous Earth of Hawkman. A dark version, one who wants to unlock terrible powers 
in order to keep the circle of destruction expanding even greater so that the reincarnation that must follow to atone for those sins can be met with more and more bloodshed. He doesn't want the Carter Hall redemption that Carter is seeking. The Sky Tyrant believes the only way to really win at this game is to kill, 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 and to find a way to make sure that nothing gets in the way of that. Who is standing in the way? Well, Carter hasn't gone away. He's still in the subconscious, a fading image, but a voice that's unwilling to let go. An archaeologist who knows that the truth can survive over time. Supported by another archaeologist, the recently appeared Adam Strange from RAN, who is there while Sky Tyrant and the Paladin are fighting, trying to retrieve an artifact that could be the key to all of the Sky Tyrant's plans. Shiera, Hawk Woman, Hawk Girl, depending on your choice of wording and usage, and hidden within the brain of the Sky Tyrant, the Atom. What are they all doing? Well, at some point I have to question whether or not I'm giving away the entire story to you. So, in order to keep things spoiler-free, I'll simply allow you to know that they're all working with their own plan for how to help Carter and stop the Sky Tyrant. That doesn't mean all plans go according to schedule, let alone to the initial plan. What does happen? You're going to have to read this issue yourself. Let me know why I gave it a 5 out of 5 and why it was my third choice for this week's episode. And with that, we shift and move into my fourth choice, which is The Green Lantern, Season 2, Issue Number 1, The Amazing Story by Grant Morrison, with cover and art by Liam Sharp, a local to my area who has excelled with these huge vistas full of detail, not only of design, of objects, but of people and places. And the way they just seem to almost crowd the page, and yet because of how specific and intricate they are, they seem to fill it with volume, not crowd it. And that's a, that's a fine line to try and manage. And one that I think Liam Sharp does amazingly well. He's supported with colors by Steve Olaf, letters by Tom Orzachowski, with a variant cover by Gerald Perel. If you've been following season one, the first 12 issues of Green Lantern, or... Green Lantern, Black Stars, and more recently now, the transition into this first issue. The opening pages feel like the right sort of response, the glorious, wonderful recognition, how Jordan deserves. Not the jarring juxtaposition, which is the appearance of the Guardians, to say that they have to go away, that they have to fight in a war. And here's where Grant Morrison starts throwing some of his most colorful descriptions a war that will leave behind only one of their kind, a different version, a different take, with a new mission for Hal Jordan, the Young Guardians, the future of the Corps. This requires him to team up with an unlikely partner, and as with some of the elements that are best about this procedural take on the Green Lantern, we now have the buddy cop experience 
with the replete Hal Jordan grizzled veteran and his new sidekick. We'll see if he sticks around, who's younger, less experienced, very specific, and yet still has things to teach Hal. What can they be? What will they learn? It starts with the mission of rescue and, of course, as with all great stories, more than one discovery. Which one will stick with you? Well, that's the part I'm looking forward to hearing more about. Stay tuned to the end for all the ways to let me know just what you're thinking. But my thoughts are, for a fourth choice, Green Lantern Season 2 Number 1 was a great pick for me and sets up the perfect ending to this week's choices. And with a necessary pause to let that plane soar overhead, I can move into my fifth and final choice, Superman, Heroes Number 1. In this collaborative effort featuring Brian Michael Bendis, Matt Fraction, and Greg Rucka writing the story, with Kevin McGuire, Mike Perkins, Steve Leiber, Mike Norton, and Scott Golduski, with the artists, Paul Mounts, Gabe Elte, Andy Troy, and Nathan Fairburn on the colors, with Troy Pateri, Clayton Cowles, and Simon Bolin providing the letters. Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair provide the group cover, a classic take on those group shots that I've loved for decades, and no matter how many times I see them, always feel fresh and new, and never like something I could get tired of. Superman Heroes addresses the response from the heroes who exist within the DC Comics. Many of them are figures. Many of them have established ideologies, have lived out philosophies, have created specific approaches to problems, which means they each have a different take on Superman's revelation to the world that he is Clark Kent, that Clark Kent is he, that they are one and the same, and that for some reason my dog is coughing in the background. Now it's just a sneeze. Hopefully that means everything's okay, which is the question that these heroes are asking of Superman. Is everything okay? Are you going to be okay? Do you realize what you've done? Also, the voices saying, I'm proud of you. You have no idea how great this will be. I can't wait to see what the future has in store. Along with it, his closest friends like Bruce and Diana gather together to have a private conversation about what this means and how they each are responding to it and what they think it can mean or will mean for Superman, for Clark Kent, for the rest of them, and how they should plan on moving forward no matter what he chooses to do next. That doesn't mean that this is the only conversation these two or any of the heroes will have, either privately, one-on-one -on -one with Superman, or in groups amongst themselves. But much like the sound of my dogs running in the background and the noises that they make, this is an overall reaction, followed by another reaction. Hello, Bruno. Bruno is here to snarble and let me know that he knows that this is my fifth and final choice, which means I should be wrapping it up. And he's free to snarble away as a way of letting me know just this very fact. Mm -hmm. 
The fact about Superman heroes is mm -hmm. it's a great insight into the many approaches each hero might have when they receive this news, especially based on where they're coming from, whether they are time travelers or some of the most brilliant men on the planet. What they can offer is a first glimpse at what the larger society community will have to say about this announcement, what they will have to say to Superman and how they might define their own actions moving forward. I think that's where I'm the most intrigued and curious about this new take on Superman's revelation. And with the upcoming Superman villains, I'm also curious just how this will inevitably be received by those who have sided against Superman and those who support him. It's for this reason I was more than happy to give Superman Heroes number one, a very strong five out of five, and why I'm looking forward to the next takes and the next responses to this announcement from Superman, that he is not who we thought he was, and he is someone we never suspected. Where will the story continue to go? We've seen many different versions, how Brian Michael Bendis and the writers he's collaborating with choose to chart their course is what I'm hoping will set this story apart from other moments when Superman's identity became public. What's your take? Well, that's the part I really want to know. And now that we've reached the end, and that was my fifth book, I have a chance to remind you that we are available as DC Comics News staff, supporters, fans, contributors on all the social media platforms, whether it's social media icons like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, or newer channels like Tumblr. All you need is the at symbol and DC Comics News to let us know what you're thinking. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. Tag us with that nomenclature. Let us know your response to any episode of the Spinner Rack or the weekly feature of other channels and programming, such as the DC Comics News podcast team and I Am The Knight. You can follow all of those on the DC Comics News podcast channel. All you need is to head over to your favorite platform if you haven't already and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and more. And if you have and you like us, we'll rate and review. We love to know how we're doing well and what we can do better. Now, when it comes to other programming, well, this is the Spinner Rack, but the DC Comics News podcast team meets on a weekly basis to talk about all the news coming to you about DC Comics, whether it's movies, TV, streaming, comic books themselves, or so much more. And for new programming and most recent edition, check out I Am The Night, a great, great podcast by my good friend and co-conspirator, Mr. Steve J. Ray, an episode-by-episode -episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series, and a chance to remember a great series about Batman and an iconic experience that few 
we'll ever forget. We also have so much more we're looking forward to from our other co-conspirators, and you can hear all about it just by subscribing to the DC Comics News Podcast Network. With that, I'm happy to say this is the end of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 45. Looking forward to joining you next time on episode number 46. And of course, a simple reminder, we can always do our best to adhere to. And that is to read more comics. Thanks so much, folks. See you next time.